You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. 12.02 here on 3RRR-FM. Oh, there we go. That's a better sound. Got a little bit mussy there, didn't it? Matt Steadman, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Cameron Smith. And thank you for driving me in on this drizzly, pretty crappy Sunday. We had a nice little drive-in, didn't we? It was nice. Actually, it's funny. Slow and easy. I was saying to you, it's not popular. I actually kind of like this weather for the first few days. I dig it. What do you reckon out there, folks? If there's anybody that's still under the doona, I'm sure they're going, you know what, Matt? We concur. <laughs> We're into it. Yes. And uh, before we do get started, we must acknowledge and thank the mothers of Australia. I, was gonna say, I don't think there'd be too many folks still under the doona this morning because it's normally kitchen chaos on Mother's Day, isn't it? Oh, but isn't ignorance bliss? And maybe isn't that the great thing about maybe being a mother that you can just go, you can deal with it? <laughs> yes, Someone else can just, you know, because I am the frontline shock squad most of the time and I just like to be here behind the lines so to speak so uh, for all the mothers out there um, a big collective hug from this community station to you yes and uh, we hope that the kitchen isn't too much of a disaster area or if you're very very lucky maybe you're just about to be taken out for lunch so it was uh, today and Valentine's Day they say the two busiest hospitality days of the year I think and Am I and, right? and in restaurants two very very contrasting days I mm. would say to you because Mother's Day is all about family and love and and big and, tables and big 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 tables yes Valentine's Day the buzzkill <laughs> of the restaurant because you just have twos and this little ice table Not very much fun, is yeah. it? No, no. Um, and um, I think Mother's Day probably they tip better. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, if, if you, if well, you it depends are, how well the date goes on Valentine's. This is Day. true. If you are up for Mother's Day lunch, I just hope you've made a booking. I hope you planned ahead because I don't think there'll be too many walk-ups. Otherwise, there could be disappointment. Yes, we can fit you in at three forty-five. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Uh, hey, while we're thanking folks, big thanks to the scientists. Always. For 60 minutes of radio. Getting the big topics towards the end there. Fusion versus fission, nuclear power. We're not afraid of the big issues, are we? No, well, you and, and I are. We, 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 <laughs> we run a mile. We just talk about potatoes. But those guys, yes. they cover it. They're good. And, uh, and speaking of big issues and should be acknowledged, mm. as always, um, radiotherapy. Uh, yes. That's on if you want to talk about big issues and uh, the reason why community radio is so important, I would say uh, that show personifies it. And maybe we do just bang on about potatoes yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, look, we have a go every now Potato and then. Potato relief. And then we sort of retreat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had a crack about the Great Barrier Reef. And I know, oh, we were sort of oh, walked back, defeated. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, okay. Right. Got right. that off my chest. Yeah, yeah, I think I feel better. Uh, but on today's show, what yes. we're going to be doing is uh, celebrating diversity, uh, celebrating the homemade, and celebrating pouring hot water on leaves. There should be more of that. There should be. Don't you think? Because, dried leaves, too. Uh, dried leaves. Well, yeah, you're right. Most often. Some are fermented, some aren't, but tea. Yeah, we're talking about are tea. Are we for it? Not tobacco or anything. No, N- not, not those either. leaves and not, yeah. not illegal air. No. No. <laughs> tea. <laughs> tea. Yeah. Um, camellia sensus? Sensus camellia? Anyway. Yes. Uh, related to camellia. Right. Apparently. Mm-hmm. On the 29th of May, the Melbourne Tea Festival will be starting... Uh, it will be at the Con- 
Convention Center, I think. Uh, but uh, the person who knows about all that isn't here. <laughs> Confused? This is, this is true. No, no. Corrine, uh, we're going to be talking to Corrine, who's um, starting off. It's the inaugural Melbourne Tea Festival. And yes. uh, pouring water on leaves, it's a good thing. Yes. I think so. Uh, so we're going to speak to her first. And then we have uh, happening, uh, which will be happening, the Darabin Homemade Food and Wine Festival. Mm. And we have not one, but we have two people waiting to come on to yes. talk about that. Mastermind subjects. Well, one is the overlord, has seen over all these things from the very inception. And um, she's been the MC of the... Um, of the homemade part of this, uh, Kamalina mm. is in the house. Yes, there she is. In she's the green room, the yes. There she goes. She's waving. She looks happy. Um, she's going to be coming on and she'll be talking about what she's seen, um, how, well, how this has all changed and, mm. and, and how Italian food, Italian food making is a part of all of us now, mm. I, I would say to you. Yeah, I think we absorbed it into Skippy mainstream culture. I mean, you and I are sitting Bang, here. Bang, there's the quote. Can you, s- did you write that down for your notes? Well, you and I are sitting Skippy on mainstream culture. delicious espresso coffees that we have each Sure. Week. Yeah. Sure, we know all about that. Spag bowl's kind of the national dish. Yeah, we don't put parmesan on our spaghetti marinara anymore, do we? No. No way. No. We don't have overcooked pasta. No. Well, not often. Sometimes, if I might have left it on too much. If you, but go, we, if you go to one of those crappy Italian chain restaurants, you might, mm, you might get overcooked pasta. But but I was saying to these guys, when I first came to Melbourne, mm. a couple footy seasons ago, mm. um, garlic and olive oil were looked on with suspicion. With askance. A scance. Looked askance, yes. Not anymore. No, they're... You know, um, now we're winning. Cobram Estate is winning uh, worldwide recognition. Yes. For instance. Mm, agreed, uh, agreed. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, the changes, and uh, but also give you a mouth-watering uh, reason to uh, to participate. Yes, in this, and uh, and then just to take us home, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk to a person who who roamed the streets of uh, inner suburban Melbourne, looking mm. for olives, really on the side of roads. Yes, uh, to enter into said festival. Yes, winner. Winner, right. Winner yeah. brought stuff in for us to taste. Oh, I'm liking this already. And hopefully make take some photos for yeah, the mm-hmm. website because um, Matty Stedman is the uh, the webmaster here. And, yes, uh, the, the, looks the, after very, these. the very occasional webmaster. The, no, we've, we've, we've <laughs> scintillating show summaries. If yes. you want to see just great writing, I would suggest you do it. Now, I'm going to say some, a word to you. Yes. And I just want you to free associate, if you would. This could be dangerous. Roasty. Roasty. I'm thinking potatoes. Yeah. I'm thinking deep fried or shallow fried. I'm thinking shallow fried. fried. Yeah. I'm thinking crunch. I'm thinking it's. The I'm same. thinking hangover. Hangover. Yeah. Hello. Okay. So it's valid. Ooh. Instant validity. Is it, is it what? So it's different things in different uh, countries. So the roasty, I think, is sort of a, a Swiss sort of invention. Mm. At least I used to cook it with Hermann Schneider, who was very Swiss. It's basically just a, a hash brown by another name, is it not? Bang. There's another one. Yeah. yeah. The latke. The latke. Yeah. Yes. Or in Australia, yep. in the 60s, the mock whiting. No. <laughs> just, really? love, yeah, mock whiting. I don't understand it's that It's a potato pack. Well, I think it's, mock it goes whiting. to a time of great deprivation. Right. So you, 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 know? could, you couldn't have your actual fish. No. So you just got some spuds and... Uh, and mush, I don't know, maybe molded into the shape of whiting. No, it was like a potato <laughs> pack. For some reason, yeah. it was called mock whiting. And mm. I would say to you... 
Have you ever made a mock whiting? Have, have you ever not. made a latke? Have you ever made a roast? I, I probably have, but not for a very long time. Can I say to mm. someone, you know, I've I've banged on in the past about um, how we have a repertoire of mm. things that we should be able to cook. Yes. And I think one of the ones that I instantly go to, because I think of feeding myself late at night, mm. you know, you come home, you've got to eat something. Mm. You know where you've been. <laughs> you know where I'm going? Hey, You know yeah. where I'm going? Yeah. An omelette. Everyone yes. should know how to make an omelette. Yes. I reckon that's one thing. But I also think that um, a latke or a roasty or a potato pancake or something is just something that you should be able to do because it's not everyday food, no. as Rosemary Stanton would say, because yes. to make it really successful, you know, butter. Oh, really? Okay. I've only ever used oil. It's pretty simple. You, mean you just grate the potato, right, and then you bind it somehow, even if you just smoosh it together, and then shallow fry and season. Missing a couple of things from that criteria. Oh, yeah. No, your assessment is, is pretty true. I think my rock is true, but there's just fall apart. Isn't well, it? no, there's a couple of things that you've. So, what do we bind it with? We need an egg. Right. First thing you need to do is you want probably a waxy potato. Yes. A yellowy potato. Yes. You want to grate it. Yes. And then you want to do is to do the squeezing hands of death yeah. together. <laughs> oh, because you want to squeeze out that starchy. You start your something. You can also actually even sort of maybe. Rinse it, although I wouldn't, maybe a little bit of starch. Yeah, yeah, water. So yeah. you want that, mm. and you also, with a roasty, it's a very, very good idea to, although it can be quite a challenging thing to do mm. for the house and the eyes, mm. les yeux, is to grate an onion. Oh, because you no, want I, onion in there. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah that, come on. That, yeah. Great food comes from a little bit of suffering then. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, to make a roasty, here's what you need. Yep. So you need a bowl, you need some potatoes. Um, uh, what did I do? I did two good sized potatoes to one onion, grated that up on a grater, got it squeezed. Watch your knuckles. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you do. Because that's awful. Yeah. Um, and then do the, um, do the, the onion separately because it's a lot wetter. Right. And then okay. you squeeze that and then you put that in and then you bind it with an egg. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then what Season. you do is, salt. uh, seasoned salt, pepper. Then you get a good non-stick frying pan, mm. butter, 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 because butter tastes better. <laughs> um, and so you get that, so it's sort of just foaming up. Then you sort of lay in the thing and pat it down. And then with a good spatula, you go around the side so you get a nice, neat yes. sort of thing, if that's what you're mm -hmm. going for. And then what I do is then I put a little bit of butter on the top of it, just whole butter and then cover so that it sort of cooks through yeah. and then you do then you get it ready and then you do the flip which yep. is very exciting because yes. there's you know the potential for disaster <laughs> you know it's sort of like it's an exciting time you launch your food to the air this could work it could go really really <laughs> bad and it's like you've got to have that faith when you do that flip or you can just use, um, use a spatula well, or if you wanted to you could put a plate over the top of the frying pan turn it over quickly yeah. and that will just turn it over and then slide it back in. But doesn't all the butter fall out of the pan? Which you're tipping. People can't see our gesticulations here, which is not helpful. No, that's all right. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it would, would fall a little bit, but... Um, You'll figure it out, folks. Yeah, just figure it out. And then, you, the and then you cook the rest of it uncovered because you don't yes. want it to steam no, and steam, get... Yeah. You want mm. crispy, crispy. And do you know, I had that for dinner last night. Oh, really? Yeah. It was good. It was yin and yang, yeah. man. Because it was like a roasty, yep. which is just, you know, full of butter and yep. yeah, yum. Yep, has and then, and then I did this um, spinach. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, sautéed with a little bit of garlic. Yes. 
Did a ring of that. Poached eggs in the middle. Nice. Two poached eggs. So it's like an eggs Florentine, I guess. Yes. And then the yumminess of roasty around it. It was good. The only, That's uh, like an uptown breakfast for dinner. I like well, it. yeah, the only thing that was missing was a really, really lovely um, thing of some lovely champagne maybe to go with it. Or, because we're talking Darabin, maybe we're talking Italian as I'm yes. looking across at them. No, they're not listening. Yes. Is maybe a glass of Prosecco. Oh, nice. That's just for them. Yeah. Let's make Carmelina and Ingrid happy. So, anyway, look it up, folks. It's a roasty potato. It's a latke potato. Yes. It's mock whiting. Um, it's just something that's good to have in the repertoire. One of the most glorious accompaniments to corned beef, if you're into that uh-huh. sort of thing. Right. Yeah. In fact, that used to be known as meal three in the house. That's what you had numbered. What was meal one again? Uh, meal one was uh, T-bone steak. Corn on the cob. Yeah. Uh, green salad. Yeah. Baked potato. Yeah. Lots of wine. Yes. <laughs> Meal one was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and mum didn't have to do too much cleaning up, I don't think, because yeah. dad used to do most of the barbecuing. It was an easy meal. Yeah. It's really good. So that was meal three. Meal three was corned beef. Yes. Roasty potato. Yes. Boiled cabbage. Boiled cabbage. Yeah, All right. boiled cabbage. If you cut it into like a, a big sort of segment, like a big, so it's like a half moon type yeah, thing, right? right? Yeah, and you sort of steam that or boil that gently. Yeah. It is unbelievably sweet and beautiful. Oh, really? Oh my god, it is. And you just go, wow, but just okay. don't take it too far. No, because then the sulphur mm, compounds come yeah, out, yeah, yeah. and um, nasty. And then you smell like a, a boarding house from the nineteenth <laughs> century. Which isn't a good thing. It's hey, probably another thing you're going for. What? I was going to say, on that note... What, what, did you want to talk about some radio and digital oh, we can, radio? we can do that. I was going to move on, but just very quickly... What? Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago there was a bit of a campaign about saving community radio on digital radio and we lobbied the government and there was funding and... How can I forget? It was it was an, amaz- it was a, a, an incredible amount of money that was required. Well, guess what, Cameron? <laughs> This week was budget week, and it turns out that we uh, basically have to go through the same process again. Uh, So in short, a very short pricey, uh, if you listen to community stations on digital radio, and I know I do, um, I think it's about 25% of listenership is on digital radios now in the metropolitan areas. Oh, I areas. you were going to say 25% was community radio. No. Wow. <laughs> Only. So those digital transmitters uh, that you might be listening to right now are actually funded by the federal government. Um, and they, When you say funded, what does yes. that mean? They pay for the electricity or yes. they – what do they do? They pay for the electricity, the site maintenance, the, the leasing of the footprint under the tower, all that sort of – How big are these transmitters? Are there a lot of them? Yeah, there's a few. You think, think maybe the size of your fridge. Okay. There's a few of them. Where Where are they? Mount uh, Dandenong. Right. So uh, all of them are there. Uh, they are for so a whole bunch of refrigerators full of electronic things yes. that and the, the federal government has to pay for. This is exactly right. I'm getting the picture, Matt. So this week was budget week, and for some reason they've decided to uh, stop that funding, which means there's no operational funding anymore for that transmission service. Well, and clearly the amounts must be so large that um, it's affecting the budget, and uh, as we speak, because. Because there's a budget emergency or something. Yeah, yeah. How much money are we the talking total about? Total amount nationally, one point four million dollars. Oh, for God's sake! Which is cheaper than a house in Albert Park. So 
what we would like to do is... And it's is threatened. Why? <laughs> Who knows? Who's the communication minister? Uh, it's Mitch Fifield, I think. Mitch. Get on Mitch. to Mitch. And we get on to, Mitch? It's, 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 it's going to be an election, uh, well, any moment now it's going to be called. So Well, apparently the, he's on his way. He's on his way to Yarralumla. So how on about my you way in, to Yarralumla. There's a country you, western song about that. Get in touch with your uh, local candidates and tell them that uh, this is an important issue to 1. maintain the status quo on, on community radio. So just to be clear... I mean, okay, Malcolm Turnbull spent, what, twice that amount on dinner for business people in Shanghai just recently. 300. Oh, that was 300,000. Yeah, I'm not sure that's actually right. the case. But oh, yeah. you're right. I'm, okay, that's wrong. It's, it's, Forget us. I'm, I'm not saying $1.4 million isn't a lot, but in the scheme of the national budget, it's a, it's a trifling little sum, uh, but it's a very important outcome. So um, yeah. that's what that's all about. Ooh, <laughs> that's never happened before. That's never happened before. That was the... That was my earphones feeding back. Wow. 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 That was exciting. Sorry about that, folks. 12.19, we've been banging on a little bit. We have. It's uh, the start of the show. Well, it's not really. Mm. We're about a quarter way through. We're going to talk to Corinne from the inaugural Melbourne Tea Festival, which will be starting on the 29th of May down there in the south. We'll find out more. What's it all about um, after this? Oh, wow, they're sponsoring it. That's a good idea because we're going to talk to them. <laughs> hey, there's uh, synchronicity happening there. Yeah. Um, it is a rainy old day here in Melbourne. Got to say, we're kind of loving it. And uh, on the phone from Sin City, I think, uh, up to our north, we have Corinne. Corinne Smith, you're another Smitty. Hey, Smitty. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet another Smitty. Yeah, always, always good. Um, first of all, um, we're looking. We can look forward to lots of water pouring on leaves coming up. <laughs> Something like that. Melbourne yeah. Tea Festival. A bit of an ode to everything that is tea. An ode to everything. <laughs> Sounds good. And um, and and this is the first one. What was the inspiration? What made you sort of think? You know what? It's time. Well, you know, I mean, there's been coffee, there's been cheese festival, there's craft beer, there's just about every other type of festival that you can get your hands on. So we thought it's about time the good old tea had its moment in the uh, in the spotlight, in the sunshine. So, and and what's <laughs> um, how are you involved in in this beverage? I suppose would be the first thing to ask. What's what's uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a bit of a tea business going myself, the Rabbit Hole Organic Tea Bar here in Sydney. We've got a a tea bar in Redfern, opening up another one in Barangaroo soon. And uh, a friend of mine, Renee Creer from Perfect South, decided that it was uh, about time to put tea into the spotlight. So we developed the Sydney Tea Festival. And then, of course, you know, Melbourne's a perfect climate for tea drinking. So we decided to uh, hop on down and, and give it a crack down there. So we're, we're shipping out the Tea Festival on the 29th of May for all the Melbourne tea lovers. Well, it is the glorious Prague of the South, is it not? <laughs> Something like that. We've got a range of uh, workshops running, so all those all those people who want to dabble in a bit of chai blending or blending up some herbal teas can hop online and uh, and book in a workshop and come and come and try their hand at their own tea blending. Because it's it's kind of funny, isn't it? We've sort of had it, it's almost like a pendulum swinging. It's the tea return because Melbourne. Australia in itself, we, we look towards the empire, we look towards the colonies as, um, uh, for inspiration and of course we drank tea because that, that was sort of <laughs> the thing to do and then, and then the Italians came over and, uh, and then they, they made us drink espresso coffee and then we've gone into the, the next wave of espresso and I, I think there's, there's more people starting to think about teas and, and drink tea, would that be correct? 
Yeah, I think tea's, um, people are starting to look at tea and, and think that it might be a little bit sexy again. It's, uh, it's Ooh, had a, you know, okay. a dusty background for a long time and there's some really interesting things happening now with, um, single origin and, and single estate teas and some really, you know, great blends and some really interesting brewing techniques and, you know, not to mention amazing packaging by some of the up and coming Australian tea blenders. It's, um, yeah, it's an exciting time for the tea industry, that's for sure. Do we make tea here in Australia? We do, actually. Do we produce my, uh, tea? Yeah, my co-founder, Renee Cree, her, her business is all about Australian tea, Perfect South. So uh, down in the colder climates where, where tea grows its best, is uh, yeah, you'll definitely be able to find some Australian tea at the festival. Because um, let's think about it. Where do we grow tea? We, uh, Daintree was a place where there was uh, tea plantations, were, were there not? I think yeah, there were. Narada came from. Was Narada from Daintree? I don't think it was. But you were Narada saying it, it's more of a on the border. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying it's more a temperate crop rather than a, a tropical crop. Is that correct? Yeah. Look, traditionally, grow high mountain um, areas. Oh, of grow, course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. Really, really beautiful tea. Yes. Um, so there's certainly some tea on your doorstep. Doorstop down in Victoria. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And. Um, and so how has tea changed? You were saying there's, uh, there's more single origin happening. So it's so more of a, a bespoke approach, I suppose. Would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people are interested in things that are outside of tea bags these days. So loose leaf specialty tea is what we're all about. Mm. Um, and just showcasing the, you know, the, the best of the brew, basically. And what sort of things can we see at the uh, the festival that's happening on the 29th down... Where is it? Is that the convention centre or where is it? It is, yeah, down at the convention centre. So um, anyone who's interested in popping on down can book in advance online at our website, melbourneteafestival.com.au mm. and they can um, miss, the, miss the queues for the $12 um, entry fee which includes a porcelain tasting cup so they can come through and taste all day with their signature souvenir porcelain tasting cup, which they can obviously take home with them. What have you signed um, <laughs> well, When you said I it's signature... available on the day for signing. Anyone so then it can really be signed? signature. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they they have certainly uh, the Instagram favourite last last tea festival. So we're, we've got a new, a new branding and uh, a new style of cup, so we hope that uh, all the visitors will love those. But, yeah, lots of, lots of interesting workshops. We've got a, a tea cube on the day as well with a, a Melbourne performance artist who is, um, is going to be doing some really interesting tea ceremony in the tea cube for people to experience, a little bit of an avant-garde way to, uh, to have a look at tea. Really? That sounds, mm. that sounds interesting. It's so going to be, I, yeah. I love. I had someone make me a cup of matcha a while ago, and it is such a. It's a profoundly satisfying drink because, as well as getting a caffeine lift, there is also, and you'd probably know the chemical compound that's in there that sort of, as well as sort of giving you a lift, it also chills you out. There's a, there's a, what is that compound in tea that does that? Yeah, so orthenine is the compound that you're talking about. I think the thing that people love about tea is you don't get that crash yeah. that you tend to get from coffee. You know, coffee certainly lifts you up, but 
oh, it's like going for a you know dive in the ocean. You get dumped in the sand pretty hard after the yeah, and if after you, the height. <laughs> and, and I can think of one of the worst things that I think I've ever done, and I've only done it one or two or three times or something, is when you OD mm. on caffeine, mm. and I just think I'm going to die. I know. I think I really that's why people are interested in tea as well. Yes. You know, you do, especially in the in the colder weather, you want something warm to sit through the day. But there is a limit to most people in how much caffeine they can consume and I think that's that's one of the attractive things about teas you can mm. pretty much be sipping on it all day in in its various forms and not have that feeling like you're going to die yeah, at the end of the day that's not fun yeah. and may I say Corinne that you know there are a lot of objects that are sort of made in the application the eating and the production of food a matcha whisk I think could be one of the most beautiful things ever mm. made um, for for an adjunct to food of any sort I I definitely agree, and handmade to boot. Oh, and if, you, if you have a, a close look at them, they're made usually from a single piece of bamboo. So it's, if you if you sit down and really inspect one and, and consider how it was made, I think you can really appreciate the beauty in it. And it, there's something you know really nice about that ceremony of whisking a bowl of matcha, and you'll certainly be able to um, to have a look at that in, uh, in the, at the festival and and have a little a little taste of some matcha being whisked up. Yeah, and you have uh, one of your contemporaries who we've spoken to here a couple of times, uh, Hannah Dupree from Storm and a mm. Teacup. Um, I remember she was saying one of the things that really struck with me, the fact um, about green tea in, in this instance, but it applies to mm-hmm. many of those sort of unfermented leaves that you have, is that most people put the water on, it's too hot, and they mm. um, they infuse for too long, and it makes green tea a very very bitter drink. But if you actually take it to, I think it's around about ninety four degrees, ninety two maybe, um, and don't infuse, it's actually quite a delightful thing. And I suppose we'll be able mm. to find things like that in the workshops that will be around on the day. Yeah. 100%. The Explore Tea Essentials workshop will go through how you can essentially, you know, make a foolproof uh, pot of tea every time. And, and there is, you know, a, a little secret to know in terms of water temperature and the amount of tea that you use and the time that you brew it for. So that um, that workshop will be happening on the day at 10.30 and that can be booked on uh, through our website as well. Okay, so what should we look for is www.melbourneteafestival.com.au. The, yeah, and you can Googs. check us out on all the all the social channels too. Melb Tea Festival, we're on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, you can there. hit us up there as well. It's all yeah. There. Well, look, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, good luck with uh, the first tea festival that you're doing. Thanks. Yeah, first one in Melbourne, so we uh, hope that it's as big a success as as it's been in Sydney for the last two years. Yeah, and uh, may the pendulum continue to swing in your favour. We hope to see you there. Well. Love to. Um, thank you, Corinne, for having a chat to us. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. That's Corinne from Sydney. Organising the Tea Fest down here in Melbourne could be an interesting thing. Not on until the end of the month. No. 29th. 12 bucks for entry is pretty good. It's not bad. I no. would say to you. It's not bad, I, I'm actually. trying to think if there's an event down at uh, the convention centre that's usually on for less than that. Probably not. So check it out. And you get a free teacup. What's not to love? A signature. <laughs> yes. Things to look out for that one. Some uh, uh, some music, Cameron, perhaps. Take it away, Matt. Uh, there was the secret ending. A bit of Beck for your Sunday, for yeah. your Mother's Day Sunday. Now, you kind of thought that was um, a perfect thing because the rain has been To me, that's a good down. that's a good grade A song. I don't know why I think that mm-hmm. I just do. 
And dare I say, this is one of those days, even though it is Mother's Day, and uh, for most mothers, the thoughts, thankfully, are away from the kitchen. Well, other than the mess that they've got to, you know, clean up, perhaps. Um, but perhaps this is a, a one of those great days to actually come into the kitchen to, I don't know, make something homemade, um, you know, be it maybe some pickled turnip or maybe, well, you know, there's a, a multitude of things that we can do. And we have a festival that celebrates that and uh, the cultural impact of uh, a group of people on our lives. And we're talking about the Darabin Homemade Festival. And we have Carmelina, who is no stranger to this radio station, but new to this location. And we welcome you and we say, g'day. G'day. Thank you, Cam. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Oh, look, I'm, I'm really, really good. Fantastic. But I'm, I'm very, very excited about the uh, the festival that's about to take place now in its, how many years? Something like its 12th year. I think 12th we did year. Um, 10 years a couple of years ago. Yeah, and what's what's your job been what, in your um, participation in this great festival? I've I've had the um, the honour <laughs> to uh, be emceeing. It's the honour. The honour, the yeah. blessing, whatever. Yeah. To uh, be emceeing the Darabin Homemade Wine and Food Festival for about the last five years. But the- also I was around at its inception. How did it get incepted? The, the way it got <laughs> How incepted. How did this incept happen? <laughs> well, it was um, – I did actually grow up in Reservoir. Yeah. And, um, oh, question. Yes. Without notice. Uh, yes, Darabin. Um, yeah, because we didn't Darabin. Do it, We were going to Google this and we didn't. Darabin, yes. Darabin, mate? Yeah. <laughs> what is the Darabin? How much of the, uh, you know, suburbia? Of suburbia is Darabin. Coburg? It used to, no, no, it's not no, Coburg. Wrong, wrong um, it used to be Preston and Northcote. Yeah. And then um, – Mr. Kennett did a little amalgamation Yes. at a period of time. Now, um, my analogy is that my parents live at one end of Darabin, which is Marnie's Road. Yeah. Or Mahani's Road. Mahani's, mate. Marnie's Road. Marnie. (laughs) And I live at the uh, Heidelberg Road end because you cross Heidelberg, that's the city of Yarra. Yeah. So, and I always had a joke that, you know, when Mr. Kennett amalgamated (laughs) Preston and Northcote, I did the very good Italian girl thing. I, I live in the same village as my parents. Oh, beautiful. But at the, we're at opposite ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah um, same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Yeah, Northcote Reservoir, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a bit of Kingsbury, there's Fairfield, Preston Region Reservoir, mm. all that. Um, so this is the great Northland. This is the this is the crucible of Italian migration, is it well, not? Well, uh, big part of it. Darabin Reservoir Reservoir was Mate. one of the largest Italian communities yeah. in Australia. Always safe if you say one of. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, that's good. Allegedly. It, but it definitely yeah, yeah. is. And so I grew up with all this. I call them city farms. My parents always had the chooks, the, made the sausages, the salsa, the olives, the homemade pasta, the homemade everything. And yeah. they were doing that when it wasn't um, – Cool. Yeah, totally mentioning uncool. And dare we say we had these. Kitchens in the garage, Kitchens yes. in the garage. Kitchens in the garage. We even, we even have living rooms in the garage and they're still yeah. alive and healthy. Because but, this was the culture. This was this self-sufficient peasant culture that, that was well, imported were, in here. My parents were, were farmers, so yeah. they knew how to work the land. Yeah. Um, knew how to extract they value from it. They knew how to preserve it. things that, you know, like the salsa, the olives, to keep, so you could have it ch- during the year to, to fatten the pig and then make the salamis and all that. And they brought all those traditions here and these 
great backyards that really suited them. So called mm. them little mini farms with the chooks and the homemade, you know, home laid eggs and and all that sort of stuff. And then yeah. I think it was a very enlightened person, Gaetano Greco, that said, you know, we should be you know celebrating what? this. Yeah. So the first year was pretty much, and I think my dad's seniors club were one of the groups. A whole lot of men and women went yeah. along with their homemade vino yes. to enter the Darabin Homemade Wine Festival. And then it's grown. Oh, because, so it was a wine festival? It was started off as a homemade wine festival. So it would have been all this wine in flagons and little bottles. And, and I tell you what, thank God as an MC that, you know, you can't sample because, you know, you've got to stay sober yeah. and, and not <laughs> do, do any of that because they, they knock your socks off. Ita- <laughs> it, 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 Italian inner city wine can be pretty challenging, can't it? You know, some of it is, is just amazing. And then there's some of it. God's okay with food, go, though. It's okay with food, I guess. That's, um, you know, even my dad's wine, I did not develop a taste for it until I was in my <laughs> 20s. I used to think it was, oh, sorry, Dad. Excuse me, Dad. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> but um, my but, uncle. So it was an acquired taste and you were searching well, to try and well, acquire it? Well, that was it? My, my father's vino, but my uncle makes, like, wines that are like port and they're just absolutely yeah. amazing. So if Uncle Nick gives you a bottle of, here, Happy Easter, you kind you go, of treasure that one. <laughs> yeah. But um, and, and what know, about grappa? Do they make a holy water? Um, no one will admit to it. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, it's that, funny. That they go, oh, I got it from a friend. I did see my mum doing it once. Really? And they didn't keep on doing it. But so you saw the still. I saw the still. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. like secret Italian business. Secret Italian business. Yeah. And then the the lady next door. Yeah. Margaret, she popped in, Margaret, and mum yeah. and dad are like, ah, and I think they got. I never saw her do it again. But really? this is the club that my dad, uh, mum and dad, go and have lunch, the seniors, Maryland's Community Centre, one of the big core participants of this festival anyway. Hmm. Um, you go and they have these lunches once a month and then the coffee comes round. All these little bottles come out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To sort of make, Holy the, water, make it bless. the cafe correcto. Correcto. <laughs> and, and dare I say that a cafe correcto, we've just, yeah, grappa. That's one of the most beautiful smells in the world. It smells better than good brandy, to be honest yeah. with you, I think. But yeah. here's the point, though, anyway. that we have gone from this being on the outside, viewed yes. with disdain and strangeness and, and rah, 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 to now what we have is, has come to really mean it's a part of us. It, it is, is. It's in us all as Australians, yeah. I think, about understanding, about making the tomato sauce, about doing olives. Um, maybe to a lesser extent, obviously, the salami, but the whole notion of the Italian cucina mm. is part mm. of the extra Australian expression. And this festival that starts um, is a wonderful expression of that, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, um, you know, it's just wonderful how it's grown. And I always say food's had an amazing, made an amazing journey in this um in Australia, you know, my dad's 88. He arrived when he was 25. That's a long mm. time of these um, um, customs going on. Of course, we have to say there were a lot of Greek people bringing their wine too. It's not exclusively no, no. Italian no. here at the festival. And um, But, you know, it's definitely a celebration of all that homemade Food. Tell us about some of the highlights of uh, that you sort of see at the fest. Have you got sort of, you know, underlined red a couple of times, these things? Obviously, you're going to be emceeing. 
And yeah. you won't be drinking. No, I won't be drinking. No? No, the thing Don't is... Don't get high on the supply. No, because I know so many the of the lovely uh, elderly people that if I had one, tried one person's wine oh, and then said no go. to the other, it would oh, be like being world, offended. World War Three. <laughs> so, no, Why are you been, starting World War Three, Carmelina? <laughs> it's been great when, um, you know, an old, an old timer has been recognised for his winemaking. Uh, women have, have won awards um, also for Passata, for um, and now we've, I call them the beer boys. I love those boys. They come and do their beer, their, their homemade beers, and they're they're all there as well. And we mm. make, like I said, we're making moo-moos And this, well, 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 what's a moo-moo? Um Tibetan. I know Homer wore a moo-moo, but that's <laughs> no, it's a different thing. No, and there's mead making. So every year oh, wow. there seems to be something new. So it's broadening it's out, really broadened it? out, and yes. it's. Reflects on on that society. Now, also, I should uh, let you guys know that I'm going to be part of this in a small way. Fantastic. Uh, what am I doing? The 12th um, at, uh, I think, Darabin Town Hall, uh, 6.30. I am in conversation with Rita Ehrlich, who wrote a fabulous book called The Makers, which is all about that self-sufficiency, different from that one that we've got in front of us, which right. is another book, Kitchens in the Garage. Mm. Uh, but Rita's written a beautiful book about uh, uh, celebrating the great makers um, and all that sort of stuff. So your main thing is your emceeing for which event? Which is Saturday, which is when the festival culminates and we do a lot of announcing of the prizes and um, it's it's so fantastic it's so noisy that I the only time I ask them to please be quiet you know really is how do you do it what do you it, do I sing to them <laughs> and yeah, then they do just something, shut don't up you? yeah no <laughs> my big thing uh, is you, you bang a wine glass and that seems to this I'm going to try that it's a Pavlovian I'm response I'm going to try that that's a great idea just hold it up to um, the microphone bang bang and everyone looks up and what was that noise? and then you know got to get them quiet for the mayor to make the announcement Announcements. Who's yeah. won? That's Saturday the fourteenth. But there are over thirty events. It starts this Monday. How do we find out about it? You go to www.darabinarts.com.au slash food and wine. But if you just and went dare to I say Darabin, yeah, Darabin food, find homemade Darabin homemade. What do you homemade. Reckon, I think you're there. I think it sounds wine. good. Yeah, okay. So well, hope can, to see you all there. Can you stick around for us Absolutely. for our, our next guest because um, she's got some. Well, she's got some champion olives and the trophies to uh, to go with it. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Ingrid Feiland uh, next here on Three Triple Hours. We're sort of in the the last part of the shows. We uh, we move on to Sunday lunch on Triple R. Yeah, there he is. A bit Diggs. of Wayland guitar. And um, we've just been uh, speaking to Carmelina, giving us an overview of uh, the Darabin Homemade Food and Wine Festival that's happening very, very shortly, culminating on the gala on uh, on Saturday, which um, should not be missed because, well, just to see how it all falls, really, isn't it? It's quite interesting. But one person who... Uh, um, well, spent years before roaming the streets, foraging. She was foraging before it became, you know, a cool thing to do. Ingrid, a very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us here at the radio station. Pleasure. Good to be here. And your mastermind subject is olives. Why? Right. How? How did this happen? How did you go, you know what? I want to do olives. Uh, probably thanks to um, the city farmers of Darabin and um, Carmelina's Parents that perhaps planted olive trees many years ago throughout yes. the streets. Yeah, because are there a lot around? 
There's heaps. There's heaps, and yeah. you, you know where they all are. Train or well, the walk to the train from where I, I used to live in Darabin. I'm no longer a resident of Darabin, but yeah. the the share house that I was living in still still there, and there's still um, still a share house. Still a share house, yeah, yeah. Wow. and there will be an entry coming from that share house to the oh, festival really? this year of olives. So, yeah. how many people were you living with at that that stage in the share house? Paint us a uh, picture. There was two of us, and we we're renting out the third room on Airbnb actually at the time. But I shouldn't advertise that. Radio, <laughs> but, By the way, but um, yeah, so we yeah just go and um, actually we would always check. If the because tre- we would find trees around the neighbourhood with olives that didn't seem to be being picked by anybody. Oh, okay. So these are like these these have been just left. They're fallow olive trees. Yeah, but you should always check who is actually managing those trees. Yeah, so you, you never quite a, know. Yeah, you might get a really angry Italian nonna that, with a shotgun. That's that's well, maybe right. not the shotgun, but it just the, the words can be just as bad as a shotgun and the finger waving at you. What are you doing to my olives? Yeah. So <laughs> you go, so so check before you go foraging. Yeah, well, yeah, and, just see. But, and um, what was the first lot that you did? Tell us, tell us about it. You see, what, what happened? You went, I'm, I want to do olives. I don't know why I want to do olives. Yeah, well, you see these, we need these beautiful olives out on the trees. Oh, and, so you, um, you had already seen the trees and thought, I can do something with these. Yeah, we can do something with these olives. And I, we've, I used to live next door in a, to an Italian, actually, and she always preserved things and had this big philosophy of waste nothing. So yeah. anyway, so yeah, there's these That's... olives on this tree on a, on a vacant block, actually. And um, so we we actually yeah just picked from picked from the tree and yeah. um, then it became a bit addictive actually. Get? How many did you get from that first pick? Say uh, about fifty full. kilos. We just kept seeing tree after tree One, after two, tree. Three, just four. kept What's picking that about them. Four or five bucketfuls. Five yeah, or six? a lot of buckets. It's a lot of olives to slit. It is. Yeah. So, and what did you pick them at? Were they green? Were they were they ripe? Were they? Oh, these ones were yeah green, just starting to go black. Yes. Um, the black ones we found went a bit squishy. Too mush. But um, yeah, too much mush. so yeah, hot tip: don't pick them before they get too black. They get a bit squishy. But um, yes, yeah. So anyway, picked from this tree, and um, and you slit each one of them. Every single one. We and how do you do it yeah. with a knife? Because a lot of the, some people I've heard, it's like it's. It's a very relaxing, zen, sort of almost a solitary thing doing olives that I've heard that you can do it with like a beer bottle and you just go, donk. Yeah, you can donk. smash them, but I yeah. think it works better to slit them. Yeah. Well, hey, you're the winner, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yes. From experience, yeah. it's better. Um, yeah, so we just had a little fire actually, sat there with a few friends and slit olives in the front yard. Good, yeah, good. It's a nice activity to do. Yeah. It's chilled, isn't it? It's one Very of those. Chilled. Anything that takes you out of that space, well, that's what we call Zen, isn't it? It's where you are able to empty the head completely mm. and just be absorbed in the thing that you are doing. And that is, that's one of the reasons why the ability to cook, the understanding of cooking, is a very profound thing, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's very olive olive mindfulness, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're right. No, but, but it, it, it's kind of true, though, isn't it? Mm, mm. And so what, what do you uh, – are you are they in oil? Did you do it in a brine? Did you whack some lye in there? What's your – are you giving away secrets? Am I asking too many questions? <laughs> do you want me to stop? Uh, no, that's all right. Those yeah. ones, those ones there that I've brought in today, you can have a taste of them if you like. Yeah. They're in a they're in a brine, yeah, and yeah. with a bit of um, garlic. Oh yeah, and a bit garlic. Of... The garlic doesn't ferment. 
No, no, it's fine. They've got a little bit of olive oil on the top. Uh, so in a brine, a bit of olive oil on the top just to, to seal them. And, yes. um, and there's some lemon in those as well. Oh, yeah. Yum. Yeah. That sound good. Yeah, they, yeah, I think they're quite good. You get you, good you, feedback. You, you're going to break some out so we can taste some of them? I'm <laughs> yeah, dying sure. to taste. What do you reckon, Matt? You want to try an olive? Bust them out. Yeah, Carmelina. What do you think? You tried some. What do you reckon? Fantastic. Award-winning. Yeah? <laughs> you're not just saying that, eh? Let's no, I've it. tried one. They're amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, Maddie, come on. Let's, let's put right. our uh, descriptor boots on. Or cape. There's a variety of colours there, so they're ranging from black to a dark green. I like is what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing. I'm, I, saying I, I'm, thing. I'm, I'm seeing like they've been surgically split, like with a very sharp instrument here. See oh, that wow. slit? Yeah. Let's have a taste. Quite firm. Mm. Ooh, there's garlic there. There's lemon there. Oh, they're crunch. Oh my god, they're great. That's a good olive. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Tommy? I, t- I told you. Yes. Mm. I just. Went, they're delicious, and they are. They've got oh, body, they've hell. got crispness. Mm. Yeah, oh, and they've got this long, long, beautiful flavour. There's no bitterness there whatsoever, mm. is there? Which can be the killer. Well, that's. let's face it. I mean, it's one of those things where we, we look at something that is pretty much inedible and we scratch our heads. This is humanity I'm speaking of, to try and go, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, there's so much in there. I could eat that. <laughs> I can't. It tastes awful. What can I do to make it taste good? And And this is a product of just... Generations and generations of making the inedible beautiful. Yeah, I should say that oh, they are actually from Vicky's tree, an old Greek lady who possibly planted that tree when she immigrated over here to Australia. So, what do you I don't reckon? Know how what... old? Oh, when do you no, reckon she immigrated? Well, Gosh. At, at least 50, I'd mm. say. 50 yeah. year old. Oh, God, yeah, that's yeah. a good olive. That is really, really good. Mmm. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I, I lost my mind because we all. <laughs> yeah, so the, the tree is, um, the tree that you got that old is, is very, very old. It's established. Yeah, it's a very well established tree. Yeah. How yeah. long does it, d- tell me, just as a, you know, from someone, uh, just from, from sheer ignorance, um, I ask the thing, does, does age contribute to the quality of the fruit? Because with vines, we talk about, you know, this mm. vine, this, 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 this wine that we've made is from 50 year old vines and, Maybe that's just the marketing department. I'm not sure, but does yeah. quality change with you know if you just get a sapling that's had its first flush of olives, are they going to be as mm. good as something from an old established tree? It's I have no idea. Carmelie is going. <laughs> Who knows? Nobody knows. Is that right? Well, I don't know. No, neither do I. But I imagine if they were bringing out seeds here, they probably picked those from the best. They chose the seeds from their best trees, they, and that would have been the ones that they brought out over here to Australia. Mm. So, yeah, I, yeah, I guess these those olives trees are good. These olives are delicious. They really have. Oh, so for how many, them. Yeah, no, that's. I've only had one, but it's it's an awesome. I'm just awesome. eating the rest of them over here in the corner. Yeah, mm. what's happening? Oh, we bring out. Yeah, we've we've shown off the prizes. Can you hold it up to the microphone, Carmelina? There they are, uh, Carmelina. It's just saying. Yeah, but what about the prizes? Tell us about Two the prizes. Reports. What did you win? Tell us about. Yeah, come on. It's it's oh. it's brag time. Yeah, what did we win? We won a trophy each year. So we won the 2014-2015. Was so that the first the- time you you entered? Yeah, absolutely. The first time we'd ever get given out of town. two dollars, actually. Yeah. You beat all the old Italian ladies. <laughs> how, did, how did they all go, Carolina, <laughs> too? What were It's like the no, salami it's festival. It's a thing. I think they celebrate it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we tried to find out how many entries there were, actually, in that first year. But, yeah, we, we weren't able to find out that information, so we don't know if we... Yeah, how and many we were competing against. And Ingrid, um, 
you don't look Italian to me. No, just just not quietly Italian. and uh, and dare we say this is it, what we were talking about? Um, how we've as a culture we've absorbed mm. this migrant experience. What? Well, You've sort I of mean, already answered that. Yeah, go on. The, I mean, what's your heritage is what Irish English? Irish English. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people have always preserved food. We have it in our DNA. DNA. Mm. DNA, man. And. Um, you know, when you were speaking about leaching, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Aboriginal people, Indigenous people yes. worked out how to eat all manner of things by leaching oh. poisons out of them, yeah. by um, knowing what time of the, you know, well, it's about- been connected to the natural world. Mm. And, and maybe and it, this and is just a reconnection for people. It's not a foreign thing. Yeah. Well, it, like another great example of that, the artichoke. How did you mm. work out you can eat one of those yeah, things, you know? Yeah, I don't know. That yeah, is like, I'm going to eat a thistle. <laughs> really? I think you're kind of crazy. So um, have you, um, have you, are you entering again this year? We are entering again this year, yeah. And when can people see you and try these olives? Is the GP allowed to taste, general public? Oh, um, yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there at the festival, but Jess where, where potentially will be, who... Um, yeah, she lives in Durban this year. She's part of the collective that helped with the picking of the olives last year. So I have a feeling she might be there, but we could definitely give some give you some olives, Carmelina, to have for people to try if you'd like. We'll, we'll yeah. For we'll, sure. work yeah. we'll work it out. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. But uh, the great – so where are you going? You, you're going away somewhere. Oh, I've actually moved to country Victoria now. I'm living in Castlemaine. So oh, Really? Congrats. Yeah, so we've um, we're looking for orchards out there and olive got, trees and olive trees. We're going big scale and um, yeah, and then we've also uh, one of the people from the share house has planted some olives on a on a property on oh, his right. parents' property out at um, near Castlemaine. So. Yeah, we can, it'll be a few years before there's olives from those trees. So there'll but. be the label <laughs> soon that'll, you know, in a few years' time, there'll be the locally grown. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds great. Uh, mushrooms, you've been getting mushrooms from the countryside? Has there been much around? No, I haven't Haven't been on lookout for mushrooms, actually. Yeah, I'm doing all this. Hey, you can, I know, you're keeping <laughs> keep focused. Focused. Focus, I like it. Okay, Matt's giving me the wind-up. Carmelina, thank you very, very much thank for you. coming in. Welcome back to 3RRR. Because you were saying that uh, you were on um, a couple footy seasons ago. Yeah, the punter to punters yeah, back in well. the 80s. Oh, my goodness, that was a while ago. Well, it's a delight. Hello, all of you. Come and in. it'd be great to have you back to uh, talk about how the thing goes or maybe um, maybe next year to do another preview. It's been lovely to meet you. Ingrid, congratulations. Those <laughs> olives are unbelievably good. Say something. Hey, that's good. That's good. I wouldn't have said that so well, would I, Matt? No. You know. Yes. What's on next, Matt? Uh, Sunday lunch coming up. Uh, keep coming until 2 o'clock when JVG comes in and does his thing. Yeah, we might have uh, GoPro, uh, some GoPro footage of uh, dash cam on the uh, the Prime Minister's car on as the he C- goes to... the C1 car to Yarralumla. Yeah, whatever. Let's get uh, 1 o'clock we should go... Thank you to all our guests. Thank you for listening. Happy Mother's Day again to all of you people. And also, thank you very much for all the people for April Amnesty that uh, came in. Rock. Thank you. See you next week. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events, and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.